Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You, a daily podcast that shines a light on the American justice system and its role in empowering the powerful to take from you. The justice system is the only branch of your government where an individual, rather than the collective, can make the system act for you. It puts power in the individual's hands, but it's broken and being used against you at a time when you need it most. Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You. I am Sonia Ebron, a co-founder at Courtroom 5. Deborah Sloan has the day off, and so I am joined by uh, Corey Kersher-Sarakin. Corey's a lawyer and an advisor to Courtroom 5. I call her an advisor with benefits because <laughs> does right. quite a bit of work around here. So, Corey, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Sonia. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. In a few moments, we will speak with Dave Maxfield. He's a consumer uh, protection lawyer operating out of Columbia, South Carolina, and has done some really interesting work uh, helping small and solo firms operate more like real businesses. And so we'll be excited to uh, to speak with him uh, in just a few moments. Before we get there, though, Corey, what's on your mind today? What's the news of the day? So, Sonia, the news of the day is uh, a case that just came out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals in Philadelphia. They wrote their opinion the end of January. It involves J&J Pharmaceutical and their attempt to do the Texas two-step. So it's a really interesting case. And the I'll just start out by saying that the Third Circuit was not about the Texas two-step in this matter. What was happening was Johnson & Johnson and their talc-based powders, um, I think, Probably all of us are aware that there have been a multitude of lawsuits alleging that the, that powder had carcinogenics in it causing cancer. 38,000 cases have been filed. And what J&J attempted to do was use the bankruptcy laws and the protections in order to shield themselves from this tort liability. And it was based on this Texas law. It was called the Texas Two-Step. Um, so what they did was they used this Texas law and they created a subsidiary and then they took all of those liability cases, that's right, and dumped them into that liability into that that um, subsidiary and then immediately filed bankruptcy um, to shield themselves from this mass, you know, tort liability that they were facing. They said that this was created for this probably got them into trouble. They said it was created in good faith and it was attempt to and they were going to fund this subsidiary and take care of the consumers that had filed these lawsuits. But the Third Circuit was very, very clear in shutting this down and saying that the bankruptcy protections and the bankruptcy laws are not for solvent super profitable corporations that can dump money into to these liabilities. It's for people who are broke. It's for people who are in financial distress and need the protections of the bankruptcy laws in order to try to get a second, you know, second a, a new start. Bravo Third Circuit for for addressing this and really standing up to to corporate greed. They are, like I said, they are. So what that did was reactivated those thirty eight thousand lawsuits. So that'll be interesting. Um, the other thing is there are other corporations facing other, you know, tort liabilities that have also used this Texas two step, this law to, to try to shield themselves from liability, and they are pending in other circuits. So. Let us hope that those circuits follow the the wisdom of the Third Circuit and, you know, really, you know, shut down this corporate greed. So that's the news that's on my mind. 
Yeah, go Third Circuit. Bravo Third Circuit. It's great, you know, and courts courts try their best to do the right thing, I think, by and large. Um, but it is it's tough to fight some of these really novel arguments, legal arguments from big corporate uh, corporates like J and J and they're uh, very expensive lawyers. Uh, so <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very good. Very good news to hear. I, I'm with you. I hope the other courts follow that, um, follow that lead. That's great. That's great news. Well, at courtroom five, we believe the courts belong to the people in particular to the people who use them. And we, the people are coming to claim our courts. So if you are in court without a lawyer uh, or you need to sue someone and can't find a lawyer to represent you, Get yourself over to courtroom5.com, try a limited version of our services for free, and we hope to provide some relief for you there. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome onto the show Dave Maxfield, a consumer protection lawyer operating out of Columbia, South Carolina. Dave, thank you for joining us on Who Wrote That Up For You. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm already envious of your intro music and the intro. It makes my, my weak intro for our own podcast seem really terrible and like a, like a heat <laughs> rerun from 1977 now. So we're going to have to address that probably. Oh, podcasting is one of those uh, adventures that you have to do multiple times before you finally get the, the hang of it. And I don't make any pretense uh, to, ma- to getting the hang of it yet. But thank you for that. Appreciate it. Let's talk about your law firm. What do you do there in Columbia? Uh, well, I'm a consumer protection lawyer, and what that means in my practice is mainly that I work, I represent people against uh, mainly the financial services industry, such as like banks, credit reporting agencies, debt collectors, uh, insurance companies, and sometimes car dealerships too. Um, you know, I don't uh, handle cases where you know people open a can of olives and it's full of ants and things like, or, or like, you know, in the real world, these Johnson and Johnson sort of products liability cases. But my practice is really about um, sort of the financial marketplace and sort of how that impacts consumers. So I'm always, uh, every case I have is some person against somebody Inc. or, you know, somebody, uh, it's a bank or, or something like that. So, yeah. So you're a plaintiff's lawyer um, suing on behalf of consumers who have been wronged in some way by uh, corporations. What are some of those types of cases? Uh, well, a lot of things. A lot of uh, things involved these days. Of course, credit reporting is on everybody's radar. That's really important. Um, you know, if you follow FTC studies and things that the CFPB has come out with, you know, we know a lot of what's in people's credit reports are wrong. Um, there's a lot of information that's included that doesn't maybe doesn't belong to that person or is in there belongs to him but it's not right of course with identity theft or uh, other situations like where a credit reporting agency will you know take sonia and mix her up with sonia with a different spelling of the name and make him one person you know we call that a mixed file that happens and these things are um you know you think well it's going to get better and better and better with technology but it really doesn't very much so you know, it's it's another example of people often start out trying to help themselves, and the system is unbearably complex. And you know, the the good faith letters that they write to the credit reporting agencies, you know, that nothing really happens when you do that. Sometimes it does, and the system works like it should, but but sometimes it doesn't, and that's kind of where we get involved in cases like that. Fantastic, fantastic. You know that most folks um, wouldn't think that they'd be able to sue for um, for torts like that. And lawyers are very expensive, and you know you just think these are minor uh, issues, right? 
what do you do to, to, to educate people about their rights and to, to make sure that they're able to enforce them? Sure. Well, a couple of things. We try to have a lot of information on our website and some some resources that people can use, like such as here here's a template letter to make a dispute to a, a credit reporting agency or to dispute a debt with a debt collector uh, or things or here's an identity theft affidavit. And we try to give a lot of information that way. Um, and then the other thing we really do is when it's a case you know, that we can take and everything I take for the most part is on a contingent fee arrangement, which means I'm and a lot of the consumer protection statutes are set up to sort of make private lawyers like me the, the policemen of the system. And, you know, when something doesn't get fixed like it should, we, you know, if, if we're successful, we can recover attorney's fees as well as damages for people. And so we get usually paid from that. And um, so I don't really ever have to charge. In fact, I really don't take cases where I have to charge people out of their pocket. But, you know, as as courtroom five <laughs> probably knows very well there are that means that there's a lot of cases that I can't take where people probably still have uh you know a meritorious um axe to grind but it sort of falls into this hole where financially it's very difficult for me to do it but also difficult for them to do it and so that's what I love you know about what you do is because you provide opportunities for people to access that system who deserve access but can't afford it one way or another Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. There's so many folks whose uh, claims just wouldn't be viable for uh, for a law firm to handle. Uh, and, you know, and again, the, the, the issue is many people don't even recognize these are legal issues so that, uh, that they can uh, force some change through the court system. How do you help people um, think more about their rights? Think like a lawyer uh, just in their day to day affairs. Hmm. Well, how do <laughs> I guess? You know, I, I think that my job is sort of the opposite of some kinds of jobs where you sort of think about like how a system works and how it, I guess it should work. And of course, we'll talk about businesses a little bit and how they should work. But I think you have to understand maybe the, the pain points of corporations sometimes. Um, you know, me, and I don't know how every lawyer thinks. I mean, I guess I know how, you know, this lawyer thinks, but I sort of thinks about think about like, well, if I'm trying to get this company's attention, like, how am I going to do that? And there, you know, there are some free ways people can do that. The CFPB is actually a really good resource. If you make a CFPB complaint, that carries some weight. But for certain kinds of industries like insurance, it's going to be much more effective to go to the, the, the body that regulates them. Like if you have a complaint against an insurance company, they're going to care a whole lot more about a complaint to your state department of insurance. Or they're going to care, uh, you know, if it's a financial services business, the State Department of Consumer Affairs. So <clears throat> kind of making these free complaints in the right places. And really the best example for your listeners is because people have lots of problems with cars. You know, if they have a problem with a dealer, that state's, your state's DMV almost for sure regulates that dealer's license. And you can believe it. If they get a DMV complaint, they're going to take that way more seriously than they're going to take just, you know, a letter from you or a CFPB complaint. So it's kind of about figuring out where the pain points are and maybe, um, you know, pressing on them a little bit sometimes. Excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you for that. I imagine they also would take very seriously a lawsuit from your firm uh, if it were necessary. (laughs) (laughs) We hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, I think so. I I hope so. Um, And there are absolutely times and, and, you know, consumer law is probably different than like personal injury where, you know, you. I think people know when they have a case and, and even a layperson sort of knows when it's like a really 
big case versus a really small case just by the degree of injuries. But consumer protection law with you know the, this alphabet soup of Fair Credit Reporting Act, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, all these state statutes, you know, and then string, things people probably have never heard of, like the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act. You know, you have what somebody may never even realize is a case at all, or even maybe a great case that they may have that there's they never know they have it. And people are just stunned, especially with credit reporting, to find out when they're like a victim of identity theft and a credit reporting agency won't fix it, just how valuable of a case, you know, in the right lawyer's hands that can be. And so that's that's really different, I think, than anything else. We all know if you get run over in South Carolina, they always say, oh, I got hit by the log truck. And that's like, you know, that's... <laughs> That is a, it's a terrible thing, but you know, personal injury lawyers are, you know, their eyes light up for that. But uh, it, you know, it's awful. But at the same time, everybody knows that's going to be like a significant case. But they're they're much harder to tell with consumer protection issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I appreciate the information there. Let's talk then briefly about your book. Um, you are the co-author of the Lean Law Firm, uh, borrowing from the uh, Lean methodology for startup uh, enterprises. Uh, my understanding is that this is the first graphic novel uh, published by the ABA. Tell us tell us about that and how you ended up uh, writing the book and what it's about. How we ended up doing that? Well, we uh, Larry Port is a really good friend of mine, and Larry is maybe more from your, not quite your industry, but he's he's more technical than me. He's a software engineer, and so uh, he started a cloud-based case management system for lawyers called Rocket Matter. It was really the first one a few years ago. A lot of lawyers used that, and um, we got to talking at the ABA Tech Show several years ago about like why are law firms kind of like mired you know, like every other business seems to run like a business. And, you know, you look at like a car factory, you know, or for, you know, Toyota is the gold standard, really. How can they do what they do? You know, and it's so forward thinking. And yet, you know, we're using paper, we're doing all kinds of things that are sort of look like we're lawyers from like 1955. And, and you know, it varies in law firms. So we decided to write a book where we you know, for lack of a better word, like stole all the great things from like the Toyota production system and lean manufacturing and agile programming and tried to say, well, if you're going to run a business that way, how would you do it? And then um, so we have kind of like in the way we do it, which business books these days, which is, I think, very helpful is you tell it like a story. You know, you got somebody who's come in trying to save a firm and, uh, you know, they find this mentor figure who in this case is a guy who runs a bicycle factory to kind of give them analogies about like, well, here's how that translates. Cause I could never for myself find a book that really explained things well. So to make it even simpler, we talked the ABA into foolishly letting us do it as a graphic novel. So uh, it's very accessible to lawyers. It's on audible as well. And that we got a great voice talent to do the audible part of it. So uh, if you want to, yeah, thank it's It was really fun to do it. And um, I get to teach it as a class at the university of South Carolina school of law now too. Um, so I have this one class where I teach consumer protection law and talk about how, you know, the system is unfortunately somewhat skewed against the, the lay person and the little person and maybe what we can do about that and, uh, in an altruistic vein. And then I, in the spring, I teach them how to try to make a good living. 
So <laughs> important, very Sounds important. Like perfect balance. You know, law firms, particularly small and solo law firms, are still seemingly stuck in the last century where it comes to tech and just operating their practices. And you know better than I certainly, um, you go to you don't go to law school to learn how to do business, right? It's very unusual when you get some business training uh, as a law student. And so, you know, what what's happening uh, these days to help more lawyers operate their firms like like startups? Well, I think uh, a lot of things. The technology is if you if you take technology and put it towards sort of the right objective, that can be, you know, I think we get into it's like technology will save us technology for tech's sake kind of a mindset. And that's bad. But if you know what you're doing, like like with courtroom five, for example, I mean, you're 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 making things easier and faster for people and, and repetitive. And anytime you can do that, that's what any kind of a manufacturing concern does is it, it it takes things and breaks them into components so that they're understandable, but you can sort of put them together in different ways, like, like Legos maybe, you know? And so I think the same sorts of things that I'm trying to help uh, get in lawyers' hands are very similar to what, if we can put into the hands of people who aren't lawyers, they can use those same tools too. So lawyers can use, you know, um, and we talked about Dorna Moyni off air, Sonia, and what she does with Documate, and now now known as Gavel as of, I think, two weeks ago. Um, but that's a system where anyone can go in there and by answering questions, build some quite, you know, sometimes complicated pleadings. And that makes it easier and better and more repetitive for lawyers. So we can be more profitable, but it also makes it so people who aren't lawyers can make what they need too. And I think that sort of democratization is the big change that I see coming is like, you know, and I for access for justice. I mean, I think that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and there are just uh, a lot of systems that, you know, we live in a, in a world of systems. Law firms are systems. Law practice is a system. You know, if you, the more you can automate things, it seems to me, the more effective you're going to be. And to your point, the, the better uh, opportunities you have to provide access to justice. Have you thought a lot in your helping small and solo firms about, you know, sprint methodologies and some of the lean methodologies and uh, and just sort of automating as much as possible there? Yeah, we do. uh, We work a lot with that. Um, And and again, it's kind of a matter of getting the right technology. I mean, you know, it's uh, we we have a course and I I don't want to come in here and just like plug it, but we have uh, to, to try to make it easier for people to learn it. We Larry and I put together this course at a website that's leanlawteam.com. And um, that is a series of videos that, that talk exactly about what you're talking about. How do you put, how do you actually employ this, this sort of a mind shift first where you see your firm, not as just a bunch of, oh, here's a bunch of sort of artisanal things we're doing, but here's an actual system. Here's what it looks like. Here's how it should function. And then where do we plug in technology in the right places that is going to really you know, because we, we can do a lot with technology that um, doesn't help us. You know, email is a is a great thing, but it's also a terrible thing, you know. So it's sort of about using it in the right places in the right ways. Um, so that's a pretty bad answer, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. That's fantastic. So Lean Law, uh, Lean Law Team, it is for lawyers that want to uh, learn more about this course, leanlawteam.com. Uh, Dave, I'm going to share your uh, law firm's uh, website with our oh, viewers. Great. Thank you. Uh, Consumer Law SC, and that's SC for South Carolina.com. Consumer Law SC.com. 
Com. Uh, if you want to reach uh, Dave Maxfield for uh, consumer protection lawsuit, uh, that's where you go. Dave, where can other where uh, else online can people find you? Well, I, I do have a, still a Twitter handle, although I feel conflicted about it sometimes. It's uh, <laughs> uh, so that's an <laughs> at Consumer Law SC on Twitter, and then uh, you know we have a not well maintained Facebook page and things like that. But the very best way to get in touch would be through that Consumer Law SC website for uh, people who have potentially a consumer protection issue or just want to learn more about the law or um, for lawyers that the lean law team would probably be the best way to get in touch with us. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll share those in the, uh, in the show notes as well. Dave Maxfield, thank you so much for joining us on who wrote thank that you. up for you. Uh, yeah, we'll continue we'll to watch your progress. Yeah, great information. Thanks okay. so much. Thanks so much, Corey. Take care, son. Fantastic. Yeah, really, really, really good information. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We, I think all of us need to, in some ways, think more like lawyers uh, as well. So really appreciate the advice uh, on that score. Well, Corey, um, let's see. What uh, What is the answer to the last quiz? You, um, I got that for that? you. I got that for you. Okay. So the answer from the last quiz was true or false. A motion and a pleading are exactly the same thing. False. A motion moves or asks a judge for a ruling, a pleading written by a party in the case demands that the other party do or not do something. So the answer was false. Fantastic. Fantastic. And the quiz for today. You got it. All right. So the next quiz, quiz for today, which of the following is an example of a sham pleading? One, a frivolous complaint. Two, a motion to dismiss that has no merit. Three, a motion that is filed in bad faith. And finally, four, a weak answer and affirmative defense. So that is today's quiz. Oh, my, my, my. Oh Looking my. forward to seeing the, seeing the answer to that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Corey. All right. Well, that's all we have uh, for you today. Uh, thanks again to Dave Maxfield for joining us and sharing that great information. Thank you, Corey, uh, for standing in for Deborah. Uh, always nice to switch things up. So always great to see you. <laughs> Love being here. Thanks Fantastic. for the invite. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we will see you next time. Are you feeling beleaguered, angry, or afraid, as if things are spinning out of control and you're powerless to stop them? It's easy to just let things slide and hope they don't get worse. But they often do get worse. The thing is, you're not powerless. Our courts belong to us, and their purpose is to give power to the powerless. Don't let your grievances pile up without redressing them. You can handle this in court. Or if someone takes you to court, you can take them to school.